Awesome. Yeah, great to see Bo and Renata and Ahava. And that was a perfect segue today. We're going to be talking exactly about proclaiming the kingdom of heaven as found in Matthew 10. If you'll turn there in your Bibles or your smartphones, Matthew 10. Be, living, uh, be reading from the New Living Version. You can follow along on your notes today, too, if you're watching online uh, via our Facebook page, Life Church MH Facebook page. In the comments section, you'll be able to uh, print off um, a follow-along note sheet, help you track, and or if you're online at lifechurchmh.com, there's an area there, too, where you're able to print off a PDF. Jesus is sending me is the title of today's talk. Matthew 10, starting at verse 1, we're going to read a a large passage, and then we'll jump into it. Jesus called his 12 disciples together, and he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter. Then Andrew, Peter's brother. James, son of Zebedee. John, James's brother. Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Verse 5, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money in your money belts, no gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. And if not, take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake the dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on the judgment day. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and you will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You'll stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking, but, the, but it will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. The children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers, but everyone who endures to the end will be saved. And when you're persecuted in one town, flee to the next. And I tell you the truth, the Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. Let's pray. Lord, you're capable of reviving us this morning and nourishing our soul, and we desire to hear from you. Help us pay attention and to engage with your spirit during this precious time. We put everything else on hold right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, 
the fall of 1998, I went to college from South Dakota. I went to um, Minneapolis, Minnesota, North Central University. And I got there, and I was awkward, and I was shy, and I went up to my room. I knew one person um, at that college, uh, and he was my roommate, who also came from Rapid City. But I'd, I'd go in my room on 4 West. It was the fourth floor, the west side, 4 West of Carlson Hall. And I'd shut my door, and when it was time for class, I'd go to my class, and then I'd go back to my room and shut my door. And when it was time to eat, I'd go eat, and then I'd go back to my room and shut my door. And, and there was... Uh, as a freshman there, I, I kind of took inventory of the people on 4 West. You want to see what, how, how we did that? Is that right? 4 West. And, uh, <clears throat> and there was one kid that was by far the coolest kid, uh, coolest guy there. His name was Chip um, Curtis Pocklington is his full name, but Chip Pocklington. Just a cool-looking guy. He was athletic. He was smart. Um, all the girls liked Chip. We all knew it. And uh, I'd be sitting in my room, and uh, I'd hear a knock on the door, and, uh, and the door would open, and it'd be Chip, and he said, Travis, we're going to go get some wings tonight. Can you come with us? And I'd be like, I'd do one of the, what the world is he talking to me for? And I thought, why is he placing value on my life? Why does he want me to be on his team or be with him? He doesn't, he doesn't. And that would happen often. And I'd be walking down the hall, and I'd be just kind of walking by his room, and his door was always open. I'd walk by, and he'd say, Travis! And I'd what? He goes, how you doing, buddy? I'd be like, good. <laughs> and keep walking. And, uh, but you know what? Um, Jesus called his 12 disciples together. And just as a preface to today's talk, number one is more of a preface. Jesus chose the unqualified and the unworthy. Peter and Andrew were fishermen at the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus called them to follow him. He said, follow me. Same with James and John, same, same deal. Ordinary men, women, tax collectors, zealot, and Jesus wanted them on our team, on his team. Number one, Jesus calls me to himself. Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost, you know, I was, at, I was at Quick Trip probably a year or two ago now, and I saw a guy that I had once seen here uh, in my early days here at Life Church, and he was filling up with gas and said, hi to him, how's he been doing? Oh, pretty good. Hey, you should come out to Life Church again. And, oh, no, if I go there, lightning would hit the church. I'm like, I can't go there. I'm a heathen. And, uh, and, I, and right away, I recognized he had the perception wrong. It's not, um, it's not the, the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick who need a doctor. And Jesus said, I didn't come to call the healthy, but I came for the sick. I didn't come for the righteous, I came for the unrighteous. And the church is a hospital for imperfect people. It's not a place for perfect people. And so Jesus loves us. He calls us to himself. He came to lay down his life for his friends, to die on the cross for the sins that we committed, that we might be forgiven. That was God's plan to give grace to the world and mercy to the world. Instead of condemning it, he desires to save all who will humble themselves and receive that forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and he carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give you is light. Are you loaded down with sin or guilt or shame or condemnation? Jesus came to lay down his life for you. To offer God's mercy and grace to all who will receive it. The only people who will be judged and punished by God are those who reject his mercy. Those too arrogant to receive his forgiveness. If one rejects mercy, what is left for them but the judgment of God. God will not allow rebellious and unrepented wickedness to have victory. He will certainly destroy it. But his desire is mercy. So Jesus, he calls his disciples to himself. And in the second part of of verse 1, it says, He gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Wow. He gave them authority and power. They didn't even know anything yet. They didn't know anything yet. They didn't understand much of Scripture. And Jesus gave them right and privilege of moral authority and influence and supernatural power to do these huge things and to be his ambassadors to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. The word cast that we read in that verse, cast means to banish, to throw, to put out. Evil spirits uh, means unclean or impure wind or spirit, impure wind or spirit. The word heal in that verse means to serve or cure. All types of sickness, softness, weakness, serve, cure. The idea was to confront the presence of darkness, deceit, oppression, abuse, addiction, wickedness. Moral authority to confront and power to bring restoration and health. And I think of our church and I think of, and I think of Donald doing Savory Sunday and feeding the homeless on State Street and taking people to do that. And I think of Max Quorum um, doing drive-by prayer in Mount Horeb and people stopping for prayer. And I think of Adriana doing these preschool um, um, lessons and teaching the little kids the love of Jesus. I think of Jesse and Cameo and their faithfulness. I think of Chase Binney running for a state assembly. Cool. I think of Justin Marler from third grade. In third grade recess, we went out to play basketball, all of us third grade boys, ballers. And we'd be on the court playing, and, and one of the guys was started cussing up a storm, like, what the something? So and, and Justin Marler, third grade Justin Marler, puts up his chest and goes like this and goes, watch your mouth. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and all of the rest of us guys were like, you can do that? You can call someone out like that? What you... I couldn't believe it. I heard Justin Marler saying that, pushing back the darkness. And I was like, holy cow. Man, I think about times in my life where I was wrestling spiritually, theologically, and, and with doctrine, and with the scriptures, and and compromising in some ways, or just and having people speak into my life, confront me, 
showing courage and perseverance and casting down some lies and falsehoods that, that I was starting to entertain, that I'd begun to contemplate. I'm thankful for those disciples wielding the power of God yeah. against the darkness of my own soul. Do you know that if you have placed all of your faith in Jesus, that you too have this authority? The Spirit of Christ lives in you. The Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now is in you and desires to do mighty works through you and I in this world. He lives in us to bring glory to God. Number two, Jesus gives his authority and power to me. We recently uh, watched a bit of The Lord of the Rings, and I, I watched that, and, and there's so much power going on. You know, people, when things happen, and someone else back at them, like, whoa! And, and there's this unseen world. There's the people you see, but then beyond that, there's the spirit world, and you can see powers at battle and at work. And not too far off, really. Not too far off. Second yeah. Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Well, I don't have that authority because I'm kind of shy. I don't have that authority. I'm, I'm kind of quiet and introverted. But God has given us his spirit, which is not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Now, we all look a little different and we smell a little different. but We all have the exact same goal to bring glory and honor to God, to proclaim his kingdom, to let his grace and mercies flow into us through our faith and extend out from us to impact the world. We're on the same team. Verse 5, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Verse 7, go and announce, them, announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. On this specific mission, this isn't the Great Commission yet, this is kind of one of the first missions that he gives his disciples. And it's different from the Great Commission, which is in Matthew 28, but we're going to get to that. The disciples were told to go to the Jews only, not the Samaritans or the Gentiles. The Jews were the people group through which all the prophecies had been given and through which the Messiah was to come into the world. And so it was only right. Um, they had carried the burden and the blessing of that promise that Jesus was to, and according to prophecy, was to be made known to the Jews first. But then he was to be a blessing to the whole world. So right now they were supposed to go to the cities of Israel and preach that the kingdom of heaven is near. Isaiah 
in, in 40, um, Isaiah chapter 40, this is some 600 years before, 700, 800 years before Jesus was even born. He said, behold, a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. It was a prophecy. And when John was, was um, John the Baptist, who was alive the same time as Christ and just preceded Christ, he came and he was out in the wilderness and people asked him, who are you? And he says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Jesus' ministry started at the same time. And Jesus went around the town saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And now he tells his disciples, go start telling everybody. It's near. It's near. Note, signs and wonders accompanied the message. God's power, listen to this, God's power is not just some positivism, goodwill language. It's not some cleverly designed speech, not, not some self-righteousness of humankind. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. The power of God is different than the pious, self-righteous works of humankind. It's more than social programs. Peter and John, um, so later after Jesus died, rose from the dead, spent 40 days with over 500 people, ascended to heaven. After that, Peter and John are walking into the temple and they see a man lame from birth. He's a grown man, lame from birth. They say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He gets up and starts walking. A miracle and amazing, but the religious leaders and government leaders, they see these guys as a threat. They're not excited about this miracle. They think Jesus is a threat to their authority and their power. It says in Acts 4.13, it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, because John answered this counsel, with great boldness. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. I must confess that I'm too comfortable sometimes with educational knowledge or the practice of principles instead of walking in the boldness of the Spirit, the power and the boldness of the Spirit. It can be easy to do only what's convenient or safe or that which preserves my self-dignity, but sometimes the Spirit of God is asking me and asking you to step forth in some courage and into some risks. And I felt that at different times in my life, and sometimes I've answered the call, and I've stepped forward in different places in different ways that were quite scary, but I was trusting in the Lord and I, God was giving me boldness and I was able to confront large groups or, or people in ways that was um, truth and love of God and I felt so good after doing it. It felt so great. But too often, too often I'm not bold as I should be and my prayers are not that of powerful prayers but kind of weak prayers or nice prayers and uh, need boldness from the Lord. And maybe the disciples felt that way too. <laughs> I know they did at times because we see them praying for boldness quite often in the New Testament. Look at Acts 4. <clears throat> this was right before Peter, look, this is right before Peter and John did that miracle. 
with that lame man. Listen to this. Acts 4.29, and now, O Lord, hear their threats. They were hearing threats of the religious leaders and government people. And, and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. They're asking for it. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. How often do we get together to pray for boldness that signs and wonders might be done in the name of Jesus? Lord, shake us with the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we really do need the power of your Holy Spirit, not just social programs and, and good principles, Lord. Number three, Jesus sends me to proclaim the kingdom. Freely you have received, freely give. The gospel is free to the world. It is not for sale. It is God's gift to people, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And we have the privilege and the obligation of getting that gospel out everywhere free. We pay for it with our own energy and time to get it out there. Verse 14, if any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on judgment day. If these disciples were rejected or their message was not received, they were to move on. Move on to the next city. They weren't supposed to fight or force or argue with, but move on. There's more fish in more ponds. Move on to the next pond. We cannot make people believe our our brother, our sister, our mom, our dad, our kid. We can't make them believe. It's not our job to save people. Sometimes pressing the issue may just push them further away. I knew a pastor in Africa who said he got saved and he was so excited about the forgiveness that he felt and the burden being lifted off and, and, and the goodness of the Holy Spirit inside of him. He was so excited. He so wanted his parents to get it and to put their trust in Jesus and they would not. He could not understand it and he kept trying to convince them or to show them and they weren't open to it and he, and he felt God saying, hey, you go, because he felt he was supposed to come to the United States and, and preach the gospel. He says, you go to the United States and you preach the gospel, and I'll let me worry about your parents. Leave your parents in my hands. So he came here, he started a church, he's preaching the gospel. Later on, he heard that his mom and dad had gotten saved from somebody else, through somebody else, and his brothers and sisters, and he was excited about that. But... Um, you know, if there's people responding to the gospel... Um, I, I think there's still people responding to the gospel in Mount Horeb. We've seen a few this year at Life Church come to Christ, put their faith in him, begin a real relationship, and there's evidence, there's fruit in their life. So powerful. We have finite time and energy. We have finite time and energy. Let's give ourselves to fertile ground. Don't attempt to plant an acre of corn in a gravel pit. 
Look for fertile soil and plant. Don't cast your pearls before swine. They'll probably just eat them. No appreciation. Shake the dust off your feet. Commit them to the Lord. Maybe later, right? Maybe later, maybe another time or... But uh, D, judgment without mercy will fall. Um, this is not in your notes. The verse says, judgment without mercy will fall on those who reject forgiveness. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed by fire. In mentioning the end result here of those who resist the love of God, who reject it, it appears, it appears to me now that Jesus kind of pivots and that he begins to allude to the bigger picture, not just the immediate mission at hand, but now he starts to describe What's going to happen in the future months and years as they proclaim the kingdom of God? The Great Commission, Matthew 28. In verse 16, um, still Matthew 10, verse 16, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Interesting picture. So be shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. There's three animals in there. No, four? Four animals in there. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. The word shrewd means prudent, sensible, wise. Scripture tells us over and over again that we're supposed to grow in knowledge and understanding. We're supposed to become wise. Uh, read the Proverbs, right? Christians are not to be fools. We should not stay ignorant. We're called to be learners, and we're supposed to become wise, and should we, we should be the best of leaders in the sciences and in the medical fields and in education. The word harmless means unmixed or it means pure. Simple, unsophisticated, sincere, blameless, innocent. Harmless means to have pure intentions, honest motives, not deceitful or connivers, like with the knowledge that we gain, we're not supposed to be deceitful connivers, not taking advantage of other people. It's pure motives. Wisdom used to further, not hinder the cause. Knowledge used with discernment and self-control when we put those two together. Jesus and his disciples, they never were going out trying to stir up trouble. They weren't looking to, to start an argument. Um, it says, when you enter a home, give it your blessing, he told them. Wherever you go, you're giving, you're giving blessing. As ambassadors of Christ, we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For the anger of man does not promote the righteousness that God requires, desires, the righteousness that God desires. <laughs> what did our parents <laughs> tell us? If you don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. And, and social media is on fire and everyone's torturing each other. And, uh, and before we submit or a post, does the text I'm about to post help or hinder people from knowing the truth and the love of God? Am I using speech that is salt and light, true and loving? Because we could be one or the, we could be true but not very loving, or we could be loving but negating the truth. Is what I'm putting out there, is it, is it both true and loving? Because we don't want to enable wrong thinking. That's the discernment. Be shrewd as snakes, harmless as doves. Jesus, help us to operate 
by your Holy Spirit in our interactions with other people. The following verses um, talk about the persecution that the disciples were to expect and encounter. And culminating with the verse 22, it says, And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. Oh, great. But, <laughs> but everyone who endures to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. Jesus sets, number four, expectations. He told them to expect resistance. He didn't say that every single person is going to receive your message and every person is going to love you. He was up front, and aren't you glad about that? It's a good thing he was. If he hadn't been up front about this, they would have thought they were fighting a losing battle or that something was off or something was wrong. As Christians, we're not supposed to think anything's off or wrong when, when people reject the message of Christ. That's what he said would happen often. Uh, listen to this. Jesus had told them in those preceding verses that they would be scourged. They would be scourged. Scourged. How do you say the word? They're going to be flogged. And indeed, in Acts 5, it happens. After Jesus has risen, gone up to heaven, in Acts chapter 5, the disciples are flogged before the council. And look at this. Acts 5.40, they called in the apostles and had them flogged. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. 41, verse 41, look. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message, Jesus is the Messiah. They were delivered up to the councils. They were scourged. Every, just as Jesus said, Jesus said they would stand before kings and governors, and they did. And they did. Lowly, uneducated men, full of the Holy Spirit, standing before kings. Incredible. You could say, I could never do that. No, you couldn't. And neither could they, apart from the power of the Holy Spirit the goodness of God inside of the heart. Yeah. Yeah. After Jesus dies on the cross, rises from the dead, he gathers his disciples to himself and he teaches them and spends time with them. And before he ascends to heaven in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Persecution is okay. It's temporary and finite. Obviously, we prefer peace. Backrubs. But we can endure hard things when we know that there's purpose and reward in it. And just thought to that, you know, we, um, you know, who finished high school, even though it was grueling, or college, it was grueling? Who gave birth to a baby? 
who had to give a public speech. No one craves these opportunities, but the payoff is worth it, and so we persevere, and we're not alone, and there's no higher calling in life than to help people be reconciled to God. Verse 23b, Jesus says, Matthew 10, 23b, last one on your notes, I tell you the truth, the Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. The word he uses there, he says, uh, the Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. The, the word reached there is telos, and it means you won't have finished or completed or accomplished those towns, brought, bring to an end, fulfill until the Son of Man comes back. Meaning, I believe, that the Jews will not, will not um, receive in full that message until Jesus comes back. The message of the kingdom will not yet be fully received. It won't be fully completed or accomplished by the Jews before Christ returns. The second coming of Christ Revelation 22:12 says, "Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds." Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Um, some, I remember reading that at times and say, "Well, you said soon, and now it's been 2,000 years. What's that about?" Well, you know what? Um, biblical timeline, most people think, when you look at archaeology, that which is actually verifiable, observable, veri collectible, verifiable, um, all archaeological dates date back to about 7,000 years for the oldest known language, the oldest known writing, the oldest known date, the oldest city, when you uncover things of that nature. And there's lots of debate as to how old the world is or isn't. But if that was the starting point, seven, 8,000 years ago, somewhere in there, um, you know what, up until the time of Abraham, there was a couple thousand years. From Abraham to Christ, there was a couple thousand years. And now from Christ's death and resurrection to now, it's been about 2,000 years. In a hockey game, there's three periods. And so you have period one, you have period two. And then you can say, you can say the end is coming soon when you hit that third period. Maybe that's what Jesus was doing. And maybe we're at the end of the third period. I don't know. But what I do know is we're supposed to proclaim the gospel and that the Holy Spirit is with us and that Jesus is coming back to reward us. And so as we close today, um, where are you at this morning and what has God's Spirit been saying to you? Maybe one, do you know that God loves you and that he's called you to be forgiven through faith in the promised Messiah? Two, do you recognize the authority and the power that you have if you will but step out in faith? Have you accepted Jesus' command to proclaim the kingdom of heaven? And if so, in what ways are you going about that? And is there more that you can do? That's a good question for us to ask ourselves. What more can I do, Lord? What would you have me do? Are you okay with rejection? Can you keep trucking along and moving on to other people if you get shut down? 
Can you stay in the ring when you get punched? With God's help, we can do that. So let's do it together. Let's keep, let's keep doing it. Jesus is coming. God, we were made by you, and we were made for you. And in you is our security and significance and our strength. And Lord, we've just read Matthew 11, 10, and at least half of it, and um, speaks about you commissioning your disciples Will you give us a renewed vision and boldness to make known your kingdom? You strengthen our hands, God, and put passion in our hearts for such a time as this. Lord, I thank you that you... You meant for each one of us to be alive in 2020. Those of us sitting in this room and those watching, Lord, today, Lord, you meant for us. If we're here, we're meant to be here. Lord, you've put us here for such a time as this, to know you and to make you known. And you have not abandoned us as orphans, Lord. You have put your Holy Spirit in us. And Lord, we have mind games and, and, and doubts go on and the enemy of our soul, he looks to deceive us and to tempt us or to condemn us. And, and yet, Lord, we are your children adopted by you through faith in you. And, and Lord, your truth is more powerful than the lies of the enemy. And your hand upon us, Lord, is able to keep us. So we commit ourselves to you, Lord. We ask you to renew our minds, strengthen our spirits, Lord, for your glory and honor. Thank you for your great love, for being the good shepherd. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If this morning you felt God speaking to you and, and you want to place your faith in Christ, um, there's a place on our website to, to know more about Jesus, to learn more about God, lifechurchmh.com. encourage you to watch videos and to reach out to us. We'd love to send you free resources to help you grow in your faith and learn about God's plan for your life. And otherwise, we're going to close with a song today. So be blessed. Have a great week. Amen.